Sachin Tendulkar and Virendu Sehwag came and did their double centuries, we actually had our double century of rejections. 100 investors and 100 customers rejected us before the first person said yes. Because you're right, uh, it was such a terrible concept that we were into that it was hard for us to explain what we were doing. So welcome to Outliers. Um, this is a podcast with outliers. And <laughs> yeah, I have two outliers <laughs> sitting in front of me. Uh, and they are uh, Mansich and Mosmi, uh, co-founders of Intelocut and now Threadsol. 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 Yeah, yeah. Threadsol. Uh, why do I think they are outliers? Uh, I met uh, Mansich and Mosmi. You were also there in yeah. that meeting a few years ago. And uh, I heard uh, what they were planning to do, and I didn't get anything. <laughs> I, but what I really liked is the sense of conviction that both of you had, and the way Mansich uh, talked about uh, the whole change the world thing. I, I told myself that, okay, I mean, I may not hear about you guys again, but if at all I hear, it will be like something really awesome because uh, of the conviction with which you spoke. And uh, you were very, uh, I think, uh, you also look like guy who meant business. Um, you know, from hearing you uh, is what I still yeah, remember. When, when we, we had our first conversation, Pankaj, I think at that time we were already rejected by 50 investors. 5-0? Five 5-0. Zero? Five zero. Okay. And 50 uh, customers. And after meeting you for the first time, we added 50 more investors and 50 more customers. <laughs> to that list? Rejected us, yes. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so before Sachin Tendulkar or Virendu Sehwag came and did their double centuries, we actually had our double century of rejections. 100 investors and 100 customers rejected us before the first person said yes. Because you're right, uh, it was such a terrible concept that we were into that it was hard for us to explain what we were doing. We were working for, and we are still working for, and we would continue to work for, the fashion business. Now, the fashion business around the world is a $1 trillion business. I'm mm -hmm. just gonna give you a very quick sure. uh, perspective of what's, what's the whole deal here. Uh, out of the $1 trillion of this business from all the brands that you love to buy your clothes from, is what we work with, the brands and the manufacturers. And there are lots of inefficiencies in the entire process of manufacturing, producing, and everything else. It's a very unsexy, uncool, uh, and therefore underserved area of business. Uh, even though we all like to wear these amazing t-shirts and denims and stuff, we don't give a flying fuck about how these things are actually made. That's exactly how it is. Uh, and that's why I'm not uh, bothered with the fact that 100 investors didn't reject us because they didn't understand either. Uh, it takes time for people to understand what we are doing. We are basically saving them cost. Just to give you a very quick perspective, uh, the total $1 trillion industry for fashion in the world, for garments and apparels, things that we all wear, the 50% of the cost actually is coming out of the fabric. So roughly the world produces around $500 billion worth of fabric. We can save 10% of that money. So we can save a total of $50 billion if we were to, at some point of time, conquer the whole world's brand and manufacturing business. Uh, right now, we are at a stage in which we are 
uh, working with 100 top most brands and manufacturers around the world. And Threadsol today plans 1 billion garments every year. And the world makes around 90 billion garments. So every, uh, you know, 1% of the entire production is right now in our hands. And it's a very painstakingly built together journey in the last three years. So yes, it is something which is hard to understand for people. And I do not blame either our early customers or our investors or you, <laughs> Pankaj. Despite the fact that you're pretty interesting and intelligent person to not have understood the first place. But sure. the good thing is that there are some people, despite the fact they did not understand it, they did persist with us. Yeah. And they eventually got somewhere with us. That's how it is, okay? That's a very quick outlook of what No, that sums it all. Um, so, Bosmi, how did you guys come together to build this and why? We, we have been together for, I don't know, how many years in this now? No, I've been, me and you have been married for 13 years. And we've been together for like 20? 21. 21 years. Mm -hmm. So, it's been Some a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's good for you. <laughs> so, we, I was working in the garment industry, clothing industry basically. I was doing consultancy in Southeast Asia and Mansuch and two other co-founders, Abhishek and Pratish, they were all part of the tech world. So around 2012-13, we were contemplating of doing something. Mm -hmm. And I was part of this industry, I was an insider and I could see that there was a dearth of technology which was very required for the industry and it did not exist. So somehow I was able to fool all three of them that this is a great thing to do and this is where we should. And I'm sure they cursed me for a very long time. What have you brought us into? Yeah, because yeah, this industry is very, very difficult. Uh, recent to corrections. You know, it, it's, it has not been a tech savvy industry. Uh, it does most of its work with paper and pen. Maximum exercise. So, yes, maximum exercise. So for them, it's a very big leap to think of technology based stuff like what is AI? big data, mobility, you know, like these things are science fiction, science fiction stuff for yeah, them. Absolutely. They have never seen this before. So for them to kind of bestow faith on these kind of things and products, and that too, this business is very international in nature, right? So there are like 30 nations in the world which manufacture all the stuff that we wear. Uh, we are in 15 countries doing our business right now. Now, to explain to such a vast swathe of different nationalities, uh, on technology for something that they had not seen before, uh, something that they have been resisting for all their lives, was a hell of a job. I mean, it was, it's never easy. And Masmi is actually quite right. In fact, that she did actually con us into <laughs> believing there's a big industry, which we, I mean, I definitely believe there's a big industry, but we definitely were not prepared about how much resistant it was. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's so hard to explain to people who do not want to make changes. Uh, and then again, if you look at the investors, they have never invested mm. in this industry's tech. You've heard of fintech, this financial technology, you've heard of food tech, you've heard of you know, all kinds of techs, but like, who really is sad enough to go and work with the apparel and garments and fashion this is, tech? This you know, like an invisible industry. I mean, you see the brands and the glamour, but you don't see the back end of it, which goes into all the entire process of manufacturing and then the brands designing and all of that bit which is completely invisible, like where we are sitting, there are 2,000 factories right around us. I'm mm. sure you did not know. So, you know, that's that's <coughs> how invisible this industry is. So, so let us uh, look at the past few years of building uh, Threadsol. 
and pick uh, key milestones and uh, also the learnings that came around there the moments when you when you said when you <laughs> said let's give let's give it up and do that something. was that was this morning by the way <laughs> <laughs> no look any startup you know has to grapple with basically only one problem hmm. that is how do i generate the belief all right simple as this it's it's a game of belief first of all you have to make yourself believe that this is a pretty big idea that i should leave my cozy job and go off for chasing it that's the first conviction that you do to yourself that's the first step step of generating belief second step of generating belief is the early uh, adopters because you cannot really get your business anywhere without having a few early adopters believing you that's the biggest second hurdle uh then the third hurdle is to make people believe that they should be a part of your journey so adding people in the company and adding the first few employees who will therefore be a very strong torchbearer of your vision and your execution patterns and everything else fourth is to generate enough belief for people to write you a check for investments and fifth is when all of these come together to create a synergistic effect when you're starting to have uh business relationship with other organizations uh, collaborations jvs you know this is where the fifth level of belief is now this is purely a game of belief now how many challenges have we faced and stuff i think there are innumerable but the the concept of challenges are always these now to actually address these kind of problems you would need always a very strong team behind you to get things through you uh through the whole process so to speak but but for us it was uh even harder because we could not point to someone else somebody else that, you know, that they have done it and therefore you know yes like this is already a proven model in china it's a proven model in the us or in the europe or somewhere else we 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 have we did not have uh a parallel to draw when like there is no began. x of y Yes, you know, like we are the Uber of I don't know whatever. So we we could never put that kind of a statement around our business, and we still can't do it. So therefore, it was so hard for a lot of people to make these believing connections. So the the more uh, far from your existing realms of understanding something is, the less likely you are to believe into it, right? So I mean, if I told you that yes, there is a technology available tomorrow that you can have your lungs replaced. so as you can smoke as much as you want no problem we'll get you lungs replaced you have never seen that before so probably you would never believe it but if i told you that yes don't worry if you read in the dark i'll be able if you if you happen to uh, acquire hypermetropic or myopic powers on your eyes i'll be able to give you a glass to if you are able to look at you say yes i have seen it i'll believe it we did not have that uh, you know um, luxury at all we could never point to some other company and say this is what this company has already done which kind of reinventing it in in our way so it's like educating everyone around from customers to people who joined us yeah, like, to investors everybody uh, like four years back when we would go up a uh, three years back we go up to podium and say yeah. what we do we would draw laughters <laughs> and like come on we guys are going to do this uh because four years back we had no other company to point to there was no competition and therefore no other references four years down the line today also we don't have the same thing we don't have any other company i can point to and say this is what they are doing we are doing the same thing we are kind of that but differentiated in this so that's a huge problem you know like that's why generating belief for such organizations is always difficult so very interesting you make this point about belief how do you uh, 
when when you have early believers or believers on the way how do you uh, nurture and protect this network of belief or believers uh, I, it may sound a philosophical question but i think everybody faces that when you are trying to do something new and for like you said you have to make the early sell so how what is this network of beliefs and how do you protect and nurture that i think it's 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 constant work in progress it never gets done you are always always educating so we started like you know once the internal part so we do a lot of sessions internally discuss educate treat that what concept we are doing is this question discussions then we started the industry level education doing a lot of online vlogs blogs it's about you know repeating the same thing again and again and again let me times. let me explain that in a, in a different concept of right right sanjay that that another day if your early adopters not benefit right, no matter how good your tech was in that boardroom or in that presentation it's going to fall flat on its face your business will just not fly so it is so important that your early adopters are definitely going to gain a lot of of that of that is that something which you have to put a lot of blood and sweat into so it actually meant in certain areas that we had to put our teams into a foreign country these are not the most comfortable countries like sri lanka bangladesh pakistan indonesia vietnam china jordan right uh, cambodia myanmar uh, thailand thailand you know these are the, the philippines they are not the most comfortable countries to, to live people who not speak english have lots of issues with understanding their culture traditions language oh. everything else but they have adopted because they saw something out of this whole thing now the objective was very very clear that you need to ensure that they definitely benefit which would mean that you would have to go a much larger distance to convince them comfort them solve their problems some of the problems but actually not be also your problems you know handling politics handling this is a b2b business right so you got to ensure that the things actually what you promised are delivered and then ensure that there are multiple levels of stakeholder reporting so we realize something very clear that what happens is you can make an exceptionally good technology presentation to a cfo or a cio or cto of the organization who are forward looking and therefore they will give you a berth in the organization but then down the line it has to go and uh, work on a shop floor shop floor people are not really incentivized to add technology and do better so it is a lot of hand holding it's a lot of love and affection and support and care one to one personal level it's 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 a lot of work all right but if you do that well then what happens is something very interesting uh in a small country like sri lanka or a small city like dhaka which has like 10000 factories the word of mouth gets you a long way so you are able to build a trusted group of people who are always talking good about you creates an extremely important thing called an echo chamber which is very important for a b2b business to grow because people have seen results and they believe the guy who has gotten the result more then a you know a three piece suit wearing guy giving exceptionally good presentation really that's how it is so so end of the day it your early adopters your early believers either they are your early believers of your product your early believers in your vision your employees or your early backers of your investors they have to see the value for you to be able to qualify to go to the next stage that was a lot of work for us we realized that the core to this entire thing is what is our learning was basically two things as one mosque said is continuously giving them 
educational perspective about what we do because it's a business which people don't understand even today one and second this uh, other than the, the fact that you will give them educational perspective about what can really benefit their business and stuff ensure there's an extremely strong reporting that goes into the whole business which means that see the the CIO and the CTO who has given in the birth must see tangible reports in their phones every day so that they are reminded that it's giving you results the guy on the shop floor should get a report in their hand every day that yes they're getting the results and you need to ensure that if the results are good the system also allows the top managers and you know owners of the company to go and congratulate the downline you know shop floor, shop floor guys that builds a strong network effect in the organization in their organization which in turn helps you it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, trading with understanding what are people's motives for making your business successful mm-hmm. right they don't care about your business frankly your customers could care less mm-hmm. than anything else they don't care about your business they care about their customers so your job is to take care of your customers simple as this right so i need to ensure we all have to ensure that our customers get get extremely good results <coughs> extremely clear contents extremely clear reportings and very very deep uh, collaboration from our side so they can believe us that's a that's there is no other way to surmount this particular valley of you know um, which is basically how to generate more belief in the, in the whole business so just to sh- kind of shift gears <laughs> um why are you guys doing what you're doing it's too late to ask okay i mean i should have asked bluntly i'll tell you why i'm asking that question so you know the intentions uh, you know both you both are married right and as i have so far. as i have seen uh, as i have seen so far it's quite intense for you guys i mean just getting this meeting was so tough right uh, and and i also see that you are in action all the time in the markets. Oh, I got to the marriage, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. What I'm trying to understand is uh your the convictions that you have, uh the energy that you have to go through this painful journey. What is the source of it? Uh is it because of who you are as people or or again going back to the same question, why are you doing this? Yeah, so uh, can I answer it first of course? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I have a very very clear answer to this. My time is bloody important. Okay? I will not pick up something unless I can really see that I can make a book out of it. Which means that I could be the number one in my space in the whole world and therefore there would be a book that I can write one day, people would read. Okay? I would not do a business which is going to be one among 50 in the same space. Very very clear. That's my motivation. So when we started this whole thing together and I looked into the fact that now I work with Zara, Adidas, Gap, PVH, VF, you know, um the biggest brands and the manufacturers of fashion and garments around the world. I see that today we are the only company which can benefit them the way we can benefit them. There are no other alternatives for them, which means this could be my career defining work in this world, what's industry for myself. if it was not that case i would have given up long back and gone and done something else but the fact that i can see that there is a very 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 large outcome out of this and there is a very tangible big difference that we can make 
in this industry kind of pushes me to do what we do right now. I do 150 flights a year, international flights a year. Right? I, I am on the move for 300 days a year. I'm never home. Uh, and that's exactly how it has been. Like, it's been so hard. We've been trying to get this meeting for three and a half months or four months. More than that. More than that, right. Oh, sorry, okay. sorry, for, sorry for that. Sorry for that. <laughs> right? no, 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 but, but the point is that my, my understanding is that the reason why we are working and putting so much effort behind is because I can really see that we could make an extremely large scale result out of this on an international scale for a business which is one trillion dollars in size with no real competition in sight this is an extremely important position to not fight for so therefore yes it is something which i will fight for i know that it's going to take us at least at least seven years from here if we are lightning quick seven years from here is what i think would be we would be reaching a place where i can say yes we are reasonably successful it is a hard climb, but the fact that the goal is so big and the trophy is so big, that kind of pushes you to get there. That's it. Must be how you, why you do this. <laughs> I think it's something that I feel that, you know, whatever you have here, like, you know, this glass or this phone, everything, somebody somewhere actually put in their life's effort in making that thing and that's their contribution to the growth of you know as as humanity, humanity yeah. right so for us and for me personally this is something which probably we will contribute to this industry as a growth of humanity now that might sound a little lofty or a little too lofty but that's what gives me satisfaction we rarely talk about the huge geographical impact that we are bringing into this because of our product we save fabric wastage now we rarely talk about this because you know people business works because people get profits but it does have a huge impact in the environment all the fabric that we are saving today which would have gone into landfills around the world yep. which is not going to go there anymore because we have ensured that's not happening now we haven't made a big hoopla about it but i know in my heart that that is something that we have affected mm -hmm. and that is something which is going to affect uh, and we can quantify that by the way absolute like, quantity like I, uh, we know for sure that uh, we can save the world 30 billion dollars worth what? of fabric if you if you convert that into carbon dioxide content that we can stop this world from generating or water content that we would stop from being wasted or kilowatts of energy that, that will actually be saved if we don't make that amount of fabric anymore in the world that's huge. I mean, I can give you an example. Like, for example, a typical one meter of fabric would consume anywhere between 1.5 to 2.5 liters of fabric for all its lifetime. So, if we are if we are ensuring that we can save 30 billion dollars, which is roughly 10 billion meters of fabric, we would save this planet almost 225 billion liters of water. 25 billion liters of water is a huge amount of water that actually goes waste every year. Similar example for CO2, similar example for... This know. is, you know, it's a hidden industry, but it's one of the largest polluting industry in the world. In fact, second, second large, largest. After petrochemicals, this is the second garments largest is the second largest polluting industry in the world. People don't know about it, uh, but it's true. Because we spend so much of, uh, you know, chemicals in, you know, every den that you're wearing, by the way, is chemically treated and that chemical effluent is going to get into rivers or ponds and there are rivers in china that flow with this color of the season yes. that's the kind of pollutant or bangladesh by the way yeah. you can have a look at that anytime right so so there is a 
there, there are lots of gains that we can put together. But like I said, you know, because the prize is so big, and nobody else seems to know and solve this right now as quickly as we can solve it, gives you a lot of impetus and belief in your own abilities. So clearly, there are great opportunities and the trophy like you describe yeah. in doing something that nobody else is even attempting. Mm. Let's talk about the other side of it. Mm. When you are not X of Y, mm. <laughs> what are the problems? <laughs> <laughs> it's an identity crisis of like no other. Like, okay, you're not X of Y. Who are you? All right. So, it is. It is a problem. It's a. It's a very difficult problem to solve for someone like us because our work is very international. So we just can't expect to solve it in one country or one region and then claim victory because I have to solve it in China, again again. Vietnam, Myanmar, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines. Mexico and you know like 30 countries who manufacture clothing plus then, plus like thousand brands which also manufacture clothing and if you're not X of Y and your story is that much hard to get you have a real big challenge in your hand to go and explain to people what you're going to do. It takes time and it takes a lot of patience that's why it takes. It just makes the work harder that's all. Let's illustrate this with some examples. Uh, What's the weirdest or toughest question you've been faced? It can be a customer, investor, whatever. So far, <laughs> so pick, pick your yeah, best. Yeah, the, the weirdest question that we have faced are there are many kinds of tough, but this is one that keeps coming back always. So these 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 brands and these manufacturers have been doing it for like 40, 50 years, and when you go and tell them, there's obviously always a white-haired guy somewhere sitting down there saying. How would you tell me something like this? I've been doing this for 45, 50 years. You're not even that old. So I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question because it's like, what's the question really? Like, you've been doing it wrong for so many years or I'm not that old. So I can't solve any one of these. So this is the hardest problem that I always face. Other than that, the, the, there are lots of other kinds of uh, you know, issues with that come up because this industry is so technology resistant. Yeah. Why didn't someone else do it? Yes, so you can't answer that question either, right? <laughs> And why, why can't Google do it? I, think, I don't know. I mean, how would I know that? So, so, so there are weird questions basically. So, so when, you, when you do not really fit into a bucket of something or something, then people try to compartmentalize something, right? Like, I mean, if you have never seen uh, a specific kind of technology, you in your head would like to map it to something which you already know. And if there is nothing that you can go on with. It kind of gives you a very weird stance to like, what is this guy? A lot, a lot of people probably in this podcast will be figuring out that what exactly these guys do? Like, really, what are they? Are they delivering pizzas? Okay, are they making garments? No, guys, we are just we, in the whole process of manufacturing. There's fabric involved in everything that you're wearing. There's a lot of wastage in the whole planning process. We save that planning effort with our AI tools, with big data and mobility as a part of the whole thing. Uh, we've been the first to get there in, in to solve it. We know we can solve around 10% of wastage problem in the world, which is $30 billion of fabric and you know so on and so forth. That's exactly what we do. It's, it is hard to explain in so many words to someone who doesn't want to believe in technology in the very first place itself. So it's work. It's hard work. How, how was uh, getting the first customer or the first investor Ooh. with all these things that you talked about? How was that? It was constant, persistent effort. Investor side, I think, Mansil would sure. be better to explain as he 
did i think at at one point in time we were focusing on customers once it was like shifting with doing investor meetings and meeting with customers in the first few customer it took a very long time we were doing trials all over the country like crazy trials meaning in that time we were only in india yeah, yeah we were only yeah. in india so we were going to every factory trials meaning we go to the factory run the factory for two days and show them that there is benefit okay mm. and after that they say okay we don't believe it or we don't want to pay so much next and we decided okay we are not going to reduce the price of something that is valuable mm. there has to be certain value to it mm. so we kept on you know doing that doing that and it it i think the first two customers just came in because they saw the repeatability of the result i don't think they completely understood how but they just saw every time they come back they give us something so probably there is something valuable just to give you how how ridiculous it was like the amount of time it took us to sign on the first customer mm. is equal to the amount of time it took us to make the next 100 customers yeah all yes. right so, yes. so so it is that difficult uh, <clears throat> as far as the investors go uh and that's the sort of a critic that i probably would put very quickly for the startup community in india uh there are not many bright investors okay i will be very clear about that yes there are not many bright investors in fact uh most of these investors draw comfort from the x is to y thing that we are x of y because their money comes from the us or from china or from somewhere else so they have to go back and answer to their like fund managers really that you know we are investing into this which is actually x of y uh which is why i don't see a lot of really courageous investments in deep tech uh or in path breaking technologies in india they're mostly like service sector investments so therefore it was so hard and heartbreaking for us because we would meet all these investors in all their plush offices and that time we were asking for a very small seed fund we were asking for fund we were asking for 200 dollars and i would walk into board rooms where if they just sold the furniture we would get our seed fund money that's simple as that but but the fact is that it is it's it's not just uh, it's not just the fact that these guys don't understand it, it there's also a problem of uh them prioritizing uh certain kinds of investments over uh deep tech or new frontiers uh you know this kind of stuff therefore you see a lot of money being going to uh you know companies which kind of do services like we do customer support we do we do you know um better uh product management road mapping or we do food delivery these are services right these are investments these are quality in fashion industry terms these are these are services uh packaged into startups right now this is easy to understand i mean my dad will understand it my mom will also understand it right therefore yes so so why is my mom and dad not an investor in that case and if they could understand and these guys also get it then then there's something wrong right i mean you you need to see more courageous investments uh and um i don't frankly see it very often uh in india just kind of uh not a good good thing so yeah as you grow the company and so i also wanted to understand one thing uh So how you fund this growth and when you are looking so so how how would you deal with with that question uh like you know i remember reading this paul graham thing do things that don't scale at one point in time right but in your business how do you think of scale how do you think of growth and funding it okay so so uh, these two are very related to each other by the way because uh, you can always grow in your own money we were always profitable from day one Uh, our first quarter was profitable 
from on, we've always grown on net profits, not EBIT, not net gross, but net margins. And we had delivered like 40% net margins while growing at 3x as well. So it was, it was always backed by, you know, our own cash and therefore it was, but you always need uh, investors to grow it faster, bigger, quicker, whatever it is. But I also understand that something to create on a global scale or even at a pan-India scale, it would take you easily 10 to 15 years, no matter what kind of company you're building. Now, 10 to 15 years is actually beyond any VC horizon. You cannot uh, run a VC-funded business for 15 years because your VCs would need an exit in six years, seven maximum. They probably would hold their bed for another year. We go to eight. But it takes 15, 10 to 15 years to really build a large, meaningful business which can really sustain and do good and stuff. So, which means that down the line, you have to think about as, an, as, a, as a founder uh, of the organization that yes, which would mean that my VCs would have to be given a successful exit, which would mean that you're, it will be replaced probably by, by a PE person, right? So, so, so as a thinking entrepreneur, if you, know, if you don't know that it's going to take 15 years, there's something wrong with you. Right. If you if you think that you can do it in five years, then seriously, you should be selling cocaine. Right. <laughs> You're in a wrong business. You cannot get anything in five years. It will take you ten to fifteen, anywhere between that ballpark. Right. To make a really large scale, meaningful business, sustainable profits, uh, based with your own you know money and everything else. Uh, we'll talk about the growth later on, but just to put the fun part clear. So it essentially means that down the line, I will have to think about uh, giving my VC a successful exit and ushering in private equity players. So that is uh, a logical progression that I'm not sure a lot of founders in their heads understand at the moment. And it's kind of surprising to me as well. But that's true because you cannot always keep on uh, harping on equity-based financing. Also, there is a lot of reason for you to think about debt financing at some time. And uh, the debt financing should not be done in the way I see it being done right now in the industry. I see companies which have raised billion dollars are doing a debt financing of five million, all right, just to ensure that they can show that they have a debt serviceability and therefore a good credit rating. That's a got up game. We don't want to play that kind of, you know, like dirty games whatsoever. Uh, I want to play a very clear, ethical, good business. And let's just talk on that context, right? Because malpractices are like numerous, forget about that. So yes, at certain point of time, I must be looking at debt uh, as an important injection capability into the organization to grow and with the fund need. And also the, the ability to swap my VCs with private equity on the line. So there, there are, these are my funding options that are available to me before we go IPO or do a proper m or something like this. And this is not something which you understand as a business owner, then your understanding is wrong. Then you haven't understood it enough. Maybe you should have a basic lesson of finance that why uh, how the finance works how the organization works and if you haven't had that chat uh, all your listeners who are trying to think you're creating a new company or who have started the new company you guys got to listen think about this right you please do your understanding and research about how to do debt management and private equity management and why your VCs have to be given an exit in six six uh, years it's not a free lunch guys it's exactly how it is now that's the funding part of it, right? Uh, it's a long answer. Um, so I, I hope it makes sense. I hope we can bear with that, right? Now the growth story is, is an important question. Growth is a function of capital. Simple as this. The money, if you have money in your hand, you will be able to grow certain things. If you don't have money in your hand, obviously you are more worried about sustaining somehow. So essentially, 
any business that we're doing has to be sales centric. Everything has to be for, for sales. I am always, uh, you know, um, pulled in the organization for being too much in favor of sales. Uh, and I cannot think of any other way to really make a business other than a business which makes money. I don't know exactly the other motivation. Otherwise, I would run an NGO. Okay, if, if I'm running a for-profit organization and not an NGO, then my motive is to grow on the back of generated profits. Now, to make profits, you need to make sales. All right, so it's a sales-based organization. So now you look at the whole business and you say, after a while, we actually start to ask this question that if you build this product, then the tech would like to build it like this. And the, you know, the field team, which is going to actually go into the implementations and stuff, would like to build it like that. But I don't agree with that perspective at all. I think we build nakedly for making the sales optimizations first. And then you add the other things together. So what would make your product sell? Let's do that first. And then add all the other things. And that's the maturity model that we should think as a business as well. Let me give an example, right? Like I, when I was growing up and you know, we had only Ambassador and Fiat as only two car companies that we'd always see. Then came Maruti, right? And they had this really light car, which had nothing, no power windows, no air conditioning, you know, uh, no power steering, but it did its job well. It was built for sales, it sold a lot. And then once the customers got to a certain area of you know, maturity, then you added the other features like power windows and you know, air conditioning and you know, you know, power adjustment of seats and everything else and everything that you see around that, right? So build your organization for sales. If you don't build your organization for sales, it is your blood that's going to be on the streets and you would be cleaning it, all right? Everybody else would just watch and clap. So my answer is always nakedly build for sales and then optimize your other things if you can scale that part. And always keep an eye on the fund part, which is how do you keep VCs, private equity, debt, all of these things together. That's, that's a, it's a complicated dance Pankaj and it's not going to be easy. And that's why I find it very funny that a lot of people believe that it's easy to create startups. It's actually not. It's, it's a goddamn hard thing. You know, if you thought it's so easy, think again. You haven't seen all the things in that case. It's just the glamour part that, you know, the media. Hollywood, Hollywood, exactly. <laughs> you put the glamour part around it. Startup, yeah. it's so sexy, it's glamorous. But it's, it's a lot of hard work. No. And I'm sure any other entrepreneur will agree, whether successful or unsuccessful. It's a lot of work, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. It never gets easy. You guys are scaring me. I'm just a year old. You have pulled it up pretty well. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> right. um, uh, the other thing I wanted to understand is with entrepreneurship, people also talk about wealth creation, mm. and, I, and, and you, people interpret it differently. And mm. I, I don't want to go there. But what does wealth mean for you guys? Terrific question. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a really really good question because it's. Uh, okay, so to me, wealth essentially means that if the ecosystem in which you're operating before had a free cash flow of X and after putting your product, it has got X plus Y, that is wealth. Now, that would not necessarily mean that the wealth would be generated for the founders or the investors. 
but here is the here is the progression of wealth generation that i would always like people to think about firstly your customers must have a wealth generation so if there the customers ecosystem had a free cash flow of x after adding your product that should immediately go to x plus y so you are immediately able to solve the customers free cash flow problem therefore generating wealth for them second stage is if your investors had a free cash flow of z and you are able to do it z plus w then it is a good idea so second stage is for your investors to be able to make the money you as a founder by the way would get to eat last okay in, so in fact your team will get before your, you your team should get it before you because your team has believed you so the wealth generation is a reverse cycle of what the benefit generation is you are the one generating the biggest benefit for the customers then for the investors then for your employees then for yourself so the wealth generation to you if 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 you have become rich as a founder and the ecosystem hasn't uh, benefited then even investors haven't benefited it's a self serving uh selfish business this doesn't sound sexy at all no <laughs> you're right but but this is this sustainable business yeah. right if you want to create a sustainable long term business for which you will be able to write a book one day okay no entrepreneur can ignore this particular reality you can't this is the this is the good thing in pankaj in the world is still based on goodness all right anybody who dupes their customers or investors would not go to write a book so if if uh, if entrepreneurs or founders if if the wealth creation personally for for them is is delayed or whatever way it's a long cycle mm. what's in it for okay so let me put the question you okay i got the question what why 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 the fuck do it yes right yes uh and and my answer has always been this that here's a difference between an entrepreneur and an executive, executive. right an executive works with the motive that i need to make this much amount of money therefore here is my career progression so i need to make this bonus and this growth this is my this bonus this is my growth this is my you know villa and condo and yeah this is my carry whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, is. all right but an entrepreneur basically lives to say only one sentence i was right that's it now you would be right you would be wealthy or not that's something which you'll only be able to do if you do all the other things right in an ethical business environment with the correct business model right i'm not talking about made up business models which have made lot of entrepreneurs lot of very rich but that's not the greatest story stolen on the planet the greatest stories are where we can show that the, the entire ecosystem of that business on which you are operating fintech or you know garment tech in which we are operating or whatever tech you are operating in actually generated more free cash flow than what it had previously your investors got wealthy and showed that yes something like this can really ensure making your investors more bullish towards investing into more uh, courageous technologies then you get to eat last right what is it in for you the fact that you could see it all the way through 10 years before that makes you the visionary that makes you the guy the most richest pricks would pay to come and listen to and if that's not your motive please evaluate your motives again you're not doing it right yeah, actually it's, it's very well said i think that 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 should be like a barometer of anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur i mean thinking or sitting on the fences right i mean it's a good one you are you're on this side of the fence my friend you're already an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah 
it's not it's easier to write about you guys <laughs> no, uh, I'm, i'm sure it's not very good um yeah i understand the wealth part and and why why you do this you know the first time we met was at failcon failcon yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay so, so so people who are listening here let, let me give you what a failcon essentially means failcon essentially means that let's celebrate failure which is actually a good thing i mean I, i'll agree with that like there's no shame in trying hard and failing i mean if you chase down 400 runs in a one day game scored 398 there's no shame you did really really well you could not win it good but full marks to go getting to 398 so failcon is an event where they choose companies which have failed or has the potential of failing and then pankaj was having a fireside chat with them we were chosen as probably of the company which would down the line go and fail <laughs> and therefore that was our first interaction from right yeah, yeah okay yeah, that's yeah. fail gone okay yeah. right cool i'm i'm trying to build the context for asking right. our next question which is so stakes are high like you have to see through and live through to say at the end of it tell the world that i was right mm. what if it fails it's okay So right they have the right. come on you you uh, at least uh, you know you would at least believe that yes i did try so, so, i did so my there, best okay so th- that's definitely marks for trying but you can tell why it did not succeed right now the reason that it did not succeed is was it a funding issue the fact that you did not have enough funds in your hand or your sales was was not scaling or the fact that you did not have enough uh you know um clarity about how the product and market would fit in together so so even though you could think about this is how it would be right somewhere down the line you made certain mistakes right what are those mistakes if you can point them out and find it that's also a very strong reason that you would be valuable in the whole enterprise in the whole ecosystem that if i knew that after doing 10 years of this this business bank there's no guarantee that we will not fail it's possible it can go belly up anyway right but i would be able to tell you that in the next venture i would not do this 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 and that that's a, also a very important indicator and if that person does not want to try another uh, venture they should definitely go into venture capital business you know and therefore they will be able to spot those trends and help the other entrepreneurs so much more easily there is a lot of juice in this other than what it meets the eye all right so if you were unable to go all the distance and make a you know success story you know in i don't know whichever person's eyes it is going to be there are very interesting learnings which you can use to still build a really interesting life for yourself i am sure even if this fails today if threads all fails today tomorrow three years down the line it is possible it pankaj i mean we are all very clear about that it's possible that it will fail but i will have very clear learnings from an international business that i'm trying to run in from 25 countries right for industry with technology with vcs with debt with private equity everything put together that you know i have a very clear ringside view of this whole ecosystem therefore i am still a valuable person to be able to make tangible differences in the industry so there is there, there is a lot of juice just other than the couple of bundles of greenback <laughs> there are lots of other incentives for you to be an entrepreneur and Mosmi, I must ask you this question. How? What's been your experience? Uh, I know it's a it's a very tight, you know like cliche to ask. Uh, being a woman and yeah, you know it was coming right. <laughs> and and one is the problem that you have 
picked up, right? It's, it, it's a very legacy, it's a very tough industry and, and we discussed enough around that. How's it been for you? Or, or it doesn't matter? Yes, it matters. I mean, the biggest problem I face is traffic in the morning <laughs> while going to office. <laughs> That's a one centuries problem. Yeah, very, very, very Frankly, no difference. Absolutely sure. none. In fact, 40% of our employees are women. We have women in every field, whether you take it sales or projects or implementations. Women are traveling from our company to Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Philippines, Vietnam, China. Not a problem at all. I, I don't see any difference. It's not a generation. It's a generation. You know, the, 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 a startup is not a generation. No. Not, not at all. In fact, I mean, at least as far as I can see, I don't see any problem as such, like you may a man or a woman, sure. doesn't matter. Yes, there are less women entrepreneurs, that's yeah. true. But that could be, you know, because of various other reasons, not necessarily because of, you know, the way the startup industry is. For me, I don't think there's been any kind of prejudice or, you know, anything that I have faced. Yes, it always happens that you go to a startup event, there would be like five women in the room and rest of them are males but yeah. then that is a good thing as well so sure. yeah, yeah, one thing they can probably do better is not talk about like why there are not so many yeah. women entrepreneurs yeah. why there are not not many women vcs yeah right that, that's a bigger problem i, I mean you know, I, I can show you so women can take much more courageous decisions and maybe it will be helpful if there <laughs> were more ladies looking at the investments than you know all these grumpy old men in fact i i come from nift okay nift every year churns out so many women entrepreneurs now we always assume entrepreneur is a vc funded business that's not true so every year i know that there are at least 10 15 women who start their own brands their boutiques their businesses so for me i have seen a lot of women doing businesses in and around me so I don't see that. Yes, we see funded businesses, we see less. Sure. Now there could be various other reasons for that. Mm. Yeah. No, very well answered. In fact, I always believe that this whole thing about Women's Day and all yeah. it's so. This, this is not a gender issue at all. Then you are under no, I like it. We get cakes. It's a good thing. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> you brought cakes for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, the final uh, question is. Uh, you guys are married and are co-founders. Again, you will say this is one of those cliche questions. But wh I'm, why I'm asking is like, uh, when, when you are starting a, a journey this important, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned, uh, and, and, and you are husband and wife, uh, are things any different? For good or bad, I don't know, I'm just asking. I don't know, I have not, uh, you know, done a startup with someone who is not a husband or wife, so I really cannot answer it very well, but I can tell you something that this definitely jumps out to no, me. No, I'll tell you, I, I get, I get why I'm asking that question is, uh, let me explain that so you know why I'm asking that question. A lot of wannabe entrepreneurs, right? And, and there are times I have seen, I have, I have run into some of them when a couple is discussing of doing something together, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there are questions, right? Should we be doing this together? Or, so questions. Like, so this question is addressed or coming from those kinds of people. Yeah. So you know, it, just the fact that you you make a good couple doesn't mean doesn't mean that you yeah. make a really good yeah yeah, yeah. business uh, partners. Good business partners, really. Yeah. Uh, because you know the reason the, the fact is that the reason is that you have too much influence over each other, right? Mosmi has too much influence. She 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 has a twenty one year of time to influence me and she isn't the way she would like me to be. 
ഫ്രണ്ട്സ്റ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ്ലിറ്റ